Welcome to worship at Seattle Mennonite Church. And we are continuing our summer worship series in which we are listening and learning. We've been featuring the voices of Black preachers in this series of listening and learning, um, both from our Mennonite and Anabaptist circles and from the broader ecumenical circles. Today is the actual, it's the last Sunday that we're featuring an outside preacher, and then we'll sort of wrap up the series um, uh, with me preaching next week. Uh, but today we get to hear from Jarrell Williams, who is the pastor at Salem Mennonite Church in Salem, Oregon. They are one of our sibling congregations in Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference, and we're really um, delighted to be able to um, invite Jarrell in as our preacher in worship this morning. We are gathered on the land of First Peoples, wherever we are. And here in Seattle, we're on the lands of the Duwamish tribe, a people who were here before state and country, a people still alive and active in the city and making their own demands for justice and equity for their people. And in the chat box, we're posting both the Real Rent Duwamish link, which is something that our congregation participates in and many of our households participate in. That's an opportunity to pay real rent to the Duwamish. And I also wanted to highlight this morning that we are invited by our Duwamish friends to this year's annual Resilience Gala and Native Art Auction. And it will be, like all things, held online this year. It's October 10 at 5 p.m. Um, and they've invited us to join in celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day by joining them for that gala and art auction. And that registration link is in the chat. And now our call to worship from our Sing the Journey songbook and worship book. I invite you to join me in this call to worship. Source of all hope and holiness, we gather this morning to be church. Bless those who are absent, but not from our hearts. Bless those who are distant, but not from your love. Bless each of us here that we may choose justice by your spirit. Draw kindness from the well of your mercy and walk humbly in your path, O oh God. Our opening hymn is Come Walk With Us, The Journey Is Long. And I will be sharing an audio that Michael and Lisa Bade prepared for us this week um, so that we could both listen to and sing along with the harmonies. Thank you to Michael and Lisa.
We light our peace candle each week to acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's vision of a just peace for all creation. And today, specifically name those, which is many of us, who are carrying so many griefs and sorrows and longings and hopes. The peace of Christ be with you all and also with you. I'm continuing this week with reading books that feature uh, Black characters and by Black authors. And this week I'm reading the book, I Am Enough by Grace Byers. Like the sun, I'm here to shine. Like the voice, I'm here to sing. Like the bird, I'm here to fly and soar high over everything. Like the trees, I'm here to grow. Like the mountains, here to stand. Like time, I'm here to be and be everything I can. Like the champ, I'm here to fight. Like the heart, I'm here to love. Like a ladder, I'm here to climb and like the air to rise above. Like the wind, I'm here to push. Like a rope, I'm here to pull. Like the rain, I'm here to pour and drip and fall until I'm full. Like the moon, I'm here to dream. Like the student here to learn. Like the water here to swell, like the fire here to burn, 
Like the winner, I'm here to win. And if I don't, get up again. I know that sometimes I may cry, but even then I'm here to try. I'm not meant to be like you. You're not meant to be like me. Sometimes we will get along and sometimes we will disagree. I know that we don't look the same, our skin, our eyes, our hair, our frame. But that does not dictate our worth. We both have places here on earth. And in the end, we are right here to live a life of love, not fear. To help each other when it's tough, to say together, I am enough. And I would say not only enough, but beloved, especially because we know that we are beloved by God who created us and who loves us dearly. I would like to invite you to join me in singing Jesus Loves Me. And this morning, we're going to have the chance to sing it both in English and in German. Many of you know that I have two nephews and a niece who are German. And so this is how they sing Jesus Loves Me. And I wanted to be able to share that with all of you. So I'm going to speak the German words that are now on your screen. Um, and in those last two lines, it's a little tricky how they fit um, musically. So I underlined um, two syllables that actually get squished together in what we th think of typically as a single syllable. So I'll, I'll speak it and you'll be able to hear it. And then I think that the visual cue will help you. Jesus liebt mich, dies weiß ich. Denn die Bibel sagt es mir. Die Kleinen gehören zu ihm. Sie sind schwach. Er jedoch ist stark. Ja, Jesus liebt mich. Ja, Jesus liebt mich. Ja, Jesus liebt mich. Die Bibel sagt es mir. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus liebt mich, dies weiß ich. Denn die Bibel sagt es mir, die Kleinen gehören zu ihm. Sie sind schwach, er jedoch ist stark. Ja, Jesus liebt mich. Ja, Jesus liebt mich. Ja, Jesus liebt mich. Die Bibel sagt es mir. A bit of introduction to this morning's scripture reading. Though he is not named even once in today's passage, the child of Hagar and Abraham does have a name. His name is Ishmael. As chapter 16 of Genesis concludes, Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram's named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. And now a reading from Genesis 21, verses 8 through 21, which takes place some years later after Sarah had given birth to Jesus, or birth to Isaac, my mistake. The child Isaac grew and was weaned, 
and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, the son whom Hagar had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named after you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, Hagar cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived until the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the God, word of God within us, thanks be to God. Um, it's good to be back with you all. I think I'm supposed to do an introduction before that that starts. But Jarrell will be back with us in just one second. Um, I first uh, met Jarrell in person, I think. I think the first time I met Jarrell was when I was on Pacific Leadership Team and we interviewed Jarrell for... Um, no, it can't be that. It would have had to have been a conference because we interviewed him during, during our PNMC conference a few years ago, uh, a year ago, this summer, um, and have gotten to know him a little bit since then. He is new to our conference. He's a pastor at Salem Mennonite Church. He's a recent graduate from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Um, and he came to Anabaptism as a student at Heston College. He came on a football scholarship and fell in love with Anabaptism. He'd grown up or at least um, become a Christian in a more, much more evangelical setting, um, was sort of uh, turned off of that, but then reintroduced to Christianity through his love of the way that Mennonites in his college took Jesus seriously. Um, and from that, like, that was kind of the end for him. The, the way of following Jesus as a peacemaker became his way of following Jesus. Um, and a journey into very justice oriented, uh, theology and to being called to seminary, um, and then being called to, to ministry here in the Pacific Northwest. I think not something he ever maybe anticipated that he would be doing, but here he is. Um, when we did interview him uh, as a candidate for ordination and licensing in the conference, it was a gift to hear him talk about um, his call into a ministry of God's kingdom and uh, of justice, of, of intersectional justice, not only around issues of race, but um, into a congregation that at the time when he, when he became a pastor there was struggling with, um, with their their transition to becoming an openly affirming con congregation. And so he waded into that um, 
as a leader um, toward justice and inclusion. So it was just a, such a pleasure to get to talk to him about that um, and then continue to, to build a relationship with him as a new pastor in this conference. Um, he is, in his sermon today, he's going to talk about Hagar as Jim read and uh, build on the theology of Dolores Williams, whose womanist theology takes the story of Hagar and um, really makes her a biblical hero that we ha would not have thought of and, um, and draws parallels between Hagar's life and the lives of Black women. So I'm looking forward to hearing Jarrell preach again and for you to get to know him a little bit through his preaching. It was very sad to me that um, he and many other pastoral colleagues weren't able to come and be with us in Seattle this summer for PNMC, and I look forward to when we can welcome them again. Um, it's good to be back with you all um, after my week off. Um, happy Father's Day to the dads out there. Um, I had a great vacation. Um, and had the opportunity to visit Drift Creek Camp where I got this really nice shirt. I'll be able to see it, you know. I feel a part of the Drift Creek family now. Um, and so I will say it's pretty warm wearing this long sleeve in my house right now. Um, but it was good to be there. Um, it was a great vacation. Um, spent a lot of it taking naps. Um, spent a lot of it playing video games, as you can see from my social media feed recently. Um, and so it was, it was a lovely time. It was the perfect uh, vacation. Um, and it was also um, a really cool vacation time because I had a chance to reflect on uh, my one year mark of being the pastor here at Salem Mennonite Church as well. Um, and so it was also really good um, to be able to reflect on that time um, together and everything that's changed in just a year. Um, at SMC and in the world in general. And so I'm really excited uh, for what the next year holds um, for us together. And so I'm thankful for all of you for your support of Sierra and I over the past year. Um, and yeah, year two coming up. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, so yeah, so excited to be back with you guys um, as well. So this morning, we'll be looking at the story of Hagar. Now, Hagar's story, in my opinion, is one of the saddest stories within the Bible. Um, in this story, Hagar, who is an immigrant slave to Abraham's wife, Sarah, is going through an extremely oppressive situation. Today, we will look at God's surprising responses to Hagar's situation and how she becomes one of the blessed ones in the story. But first, will you please join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Lord, our God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the sun. We thank you for the warmth outside. Lord, I pray um, that you open our hearts and our minds and our ears to your word, God. Help us to know that you are present in our lives here in this place. Your son, Jesus, holy name, I pray. Amen. All right. So Hagar's story is an interesting one. Hagar's story is sprinkled into the stories of Abraham and Sarah. And so it's like randomly, there's no mention of Hagar. And then all of a sudden she shows up in one chapter. It goes a few chapters without talking about her. And then she shows up once again. Um, and there's these two sections in Genesis that we'll look at um, where she's mentioned. Um, chapter 21, which is for today. But then there's also chapter 16 that I want to make mention of as well to give some of the backstory of Hagar. And so we are first introduced to Hagar in Genesis chapter 16 as Sarah and Abraham are struggling to have a child. During this time, it was of the utmost importance to have a son so that you continue your family line and pass down your legacy. Hagar is originally brought into the story of Abraham and Sarah to solve a problem. Since Sarah and Abraham have been struggling to have a child, Sarah suggests to Abraham that he takes Hagar and sleeps with her so that he will finally 
have a child. Now, this was not an uncommon, uncommon practice during this time. Theologian Gerard Bonrad says that during this time, and I quote, the wife could bring to the marriage her own personal maid, who was not available to her husband as a co concubine in the same way his own female slaves were. If she gave her personal maid to her husband in the event of her own childlessness, then the child born of the maid was considered the wife's child. From the legal and moral standpoint, therefore, Sarah's proposal was completely according to custom." End quote. And I know that this is obviously not something or practice we would accept or condone today, but during this time, it was a common and acceptable practice. So Sarah tells Abraham to sleep with Hagar so that they can claim the child as their own. Abraham agrees to do this, and Hagar becomes pregnant and has a baby boy. Once Hagar, um, excuse me, the Bible tells us that even though it had been Sarah's idea for this to happen, Sarah grew in contempt with Hagar and dealt with us, dealt with her harshly. Now, the text doesn't specify what that means, but clearly Sarah was upset and oppressed Hagar further. So after being mistreated by Sarah, Hagar escapes and runs into the wilderness. While in the wilderness, God comes to Hagar and asks her where she is going. Hagar tells God about how she has been treated by Abraham and Sarah. Now, typically, I have come to expect God to encourage Hagar's running away. I expect God to be the liberating God in this story, to want to free Hagar from her oppressive situation. But that is not the God that we get in this story. God in this story is not the liberating God. God instead, instead tells Hagar to return to Sarah and to submit to her. God then gives Hagar a promise, a promise that may sound familiar to many of us. God tells her that I will, and I quote, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude. Hagar then gives God a name after this first encounter. She names God El Roy, meaning the God who sees me. Our story for today, fast forward to Genesis chapter 21, finds Hagar in the wilderness once again. Not because she ran away this time, but because once Sarah had given birth to her own child, Isaac, she no longer um, recognized the need for the connection to Hagar and Ishmael. And she kicked Hagar out of the home. Now, this may sound in some ways like a weird blessing that Hagar is no longer a slave to Sarah. But Sarah kicked Hagar and her newborn baby, Ishmael, out of the house and into the wilderness to die. So this is not a good situation for Hagar. Hagar was so sure that she and her child would die in the wilderness that she placed Ishmael under a bush and walked away because she could not stand to see him die. God appeared to her again and told her to not be afraid. For God has heard the voice of the boy, and God will make a great nation out of Ishmael. Hagar picks up Ishmael, and God opens her eyes to see a well where they can gather fresh water. These two passages about Hagar are troubling, to say the least. She is an immigrant slave who is forced to have the baby of one of her masters. She is then kicked out into the wilderness to die. She has been oppressed her entire life. 
even when she tries to escape from slavery, God sends her back into an, an oppressed position. One thing to note in this passage, as I mentioned earlier, is that God in this story is not the liberating God that I've come to preach about, that I've come to know about, um, that I've come to love. In Hagar's story, God takes on a new role and a new form. God becomes the survival God. In her book, Sisters in the Wilderness, womanist theologian Dolores Williams points out that Hagar's interactions with God gave her the tools to survive the oppression that she was in. God provided for Hagar in her times of need. God met Hagar in the wilderness when she first ran away from Sarah and promised her that she would bear a son who would be the father of nations. God met Hagar when she was left in the wilderness to die and provided water to her. God walked with Hagar and her son Ishmael for the rest of their days. Though life was hard, though they were forced to live in the wilderness, God was with Hagar every step of the way. Did y'all know, and I found this out this week, I did not know this, I did a lot of research into this um, story, but did y'all know that Hagar was actually the first person to give God a name? The Bible tells us that to name God is one of the biggest honors. Hagar not only names God, but she sees God. She talks with God. She walks with God. She grows a special relationship and bond with God that only she would understand. God even gives Hagar the same promise that God gave to Abraham. She will become the mother of numerous descendants. Typically, it is the men in the Bible who pass down their legacies and their lineage to their descendants. But in this passage, however, God chooses Hagar as the one who will mother nations. God in this story becomes the God of accompaniment, the God who walks with the oppressed throughout all of their situations. Here in this passage, we don't see the God of liberation, but we see the God who walks with the oppressed, a God who walks with the poor, the slave, the struggling. Hagar, the immigrant slave, becomes blessed by God because God saw the oppression that she was under. God's unique relationship with Hagar is special because of who God is to the oppressed. God saw Hagar's struggle and walked with her through that struggle. Hagar is blessed because she has a relationship with God that only she can truly understand. You see, I believe that we, as American Christians, have a misunderstanding of the term blessing. We say we are blessed because of the things that God gives us. We say things like, I am blessed to have money, or I am blessed to have a nice house or a nice car. Pastors who preach the prosperity gospel talk like this all the time. In our minds, we paint a picture of who is blessed and who isn't blessed. We say that if you are struggling or poor, then you can't be blessed because blessed is based on the possessions that we have. This week, the topic of blessings came up in a conversation between the Christian rapper Lecrae, who I used to be a huge fan of back in high school. I used to jam all of his uh, music. I was that guy. And the mega, it was a conversation between the Christian rapper Lecrae and the megachurch pastor Louis Giglio. They met together to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and how they can get people to better understand racism in America. In this conversation, however, Pastor Giglio said something quite, for lack of a better term, outlandish. 
He said, and I quote, we understand the curse that was slavery white people do. And we say that that was bad, but we miss the blessing of slavery. That it actually built up the framework for the world that white people live in. He goes on to say that we shouldn't use the term white privilege. He argued that instead we should use the term white blessing. You can look up the interview. By white blessing, he means that it was a blessing for white people in this country to have enslaved and oppressed black people. Now, this is a ludicrous idea for several, several reasons, but it points out how we as American Christians think of blessings. We think of blessings as the things that we have in comparison to the things that other people don't have. Pastor Giglio, in his statement, puts forward this idea that those on top of society are the blessed and those who are on the bottom of society are the cursed. And this idea has seeped into our modern, modern Christian thinking. On social media, people post pictures of them doing something cool or fun, and they'll, they'll put the caption, hashtag blessed. But what does it actually mean to be blessed? Are the wealthy the ones who are the blessed? Is it the top of society who are the blessed ones? Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, tells us who the blessed are. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for they, for theirs, excuse me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here, Jesus lets us know who the blessed are. The blessed are the Hagars who suffer from oppression. Blessed are the black folks who have faced discrimination in America for hundreds of years. Blessed are the women who've had to fight upon fight, upon fight, and advocate, and advocate, and advocate for their rights. Blessed are the LGBTQ folks who have had to spend their lives in fear and have had to explain their own existence. Blessed are the immigrants who have come to a foreign land in hopes of freedom, only to be hunted down and turned away. Blessed are the disabled who have been ignored within our, within our very own communities. Friends, these are the ones who God deems as blessed. Hagar in our story for today is seen as the blessed one. She isn't Jewish like Abraham. She's Egyptian. She isn't wealthy like Abraham. She's a slave. She isn't a man like Abraham. She is a woman. Yet she is the one who receives the same promises as Abraham. She is the one who sees God's face and lives to tell the tale of it. She is the one who receives the opportunity to name God first. She is the one who gets to walk with God for the rest of her days. Hagar, the foreigner at the bottom of society, becomes the one who is blessed by God. Friends, according to the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, we need to change the way that we talk about blessings. Hagar is blessed because she has a, re a relationship with God that only someone who has gone through what she has gone through can understand. What we can learn from Hagar's story is that we don't need 
to be with the Abrahams and the Sarahs, but we need to be with the Hagars. We need to walk, talk, pray, and suffer with the Hagars in our society today. We don't do this because they need to be saved. We don't do this because they need our help. We do this because these are the ones who God has deemed as blessed. And if we want to truly see God in a new way, if we want to know God fully, then we need to be with the Hagars. When I was doing prison ministry in Kansas, I remember that I often talked about the good things that our organization did for the incarcerated. This week, as I was reflecting on this text, I realized that I was blessed to be in the presence of the incarcerated. I learned something about God that I never knew existed. I talk about, I talk about God's forgiveness, but some of those guys that I met with knew God's forgiveness firsthand. I talk about the need to trust in God and have faith in God, but those guys in prison that I met with showed me what it was like to trust God when your back is against the wall. Friends, if you want to see who God truly is, look for the Hagars within your communities. Look for the oppressed. Look for the hurting. Look for the poor and the downtrodden, because these are the ones who know and understand God way better than some of us ever could. The God that we serve walks with those who are hurting. The God that we serve is on the side of the oppressed. The God that we serve blesses those who are hurting and reveals God's self to them. And if God is there with the oppressed, if God is walking with and accompanying the lowest within our society, then that is also where we should be, listening to their stories, walking alongside them, suffering in solidarity next to them. Our God isn't the most present with the religious elites. Our God isn't the most present with the wealthy. Our God isn't the most present with the top of our society. Our God is with the oppressed. And if that is where God is, then we need to be there too so that we can learn to see God's face.
Good morning. I'm Rebecca Allen. You, she, her pronouns. I'm the congregational chair. And as we prepare to pray with one another this morning, I have a message from spiritual leadership team, SLT, to share with you. These words will also be linked in the prayers in this week's Monday email. And I offer these words as a prayer, a prayer of lament, a prayer of learning, a prayer for accountability, a prayer for healing, and a prayer for the blessed among us. Dear congregation, we the spiritual leadership team, SLT, are writing in sorrow and lament to report that after a year's long response to multiple incidents, two of our members have decided to no longer be in covenant with us. We pray for Wes Howard Brook and Sue Ferguson Johnson's continuing spiritual journey and send them in the strong hope that they find another family of faith to hold them and walk with them. In November 2016, a social media conflict involving Wes led to two separate instances of harmful behavior in breach of our congregational covenant. Both were directed at LGBTQ plus people, one in our congregation and one a Mennonite pastor in the Midwest. In the intervening years, Pastor Megan, the congregational care team, and SLT have requested accountability and repentance from Wes, which regrettably were not forthcoming. The impacts over all this time have been cumulative. The SMC pastors were targets of harassment, worship services were disrupted, and we have devoted significant pastoral and leadership time to seeking resolution. We lament the difficulty and stress that this situation generated for all who have been impacted, including most especially the two targeted and marginalized people who have borne the greatest harm. Our pastors, many of our congregational leaders, others in our church community at SMC and beyond, as well as Wes and Sue. We have learned and are learning from this experience and are working to make sure that we have a better, more timely process in place to respond to breaches of covenant and major conflict between members. This is not the kind of incident that should rest solely on our pastors or our congregational care team's shoulders. If you have questions or concerns, please reach out to SLT. I will share our email address in the chat. Please hold all involved in prayer. This message is from our spiritual leadership team, myself, Rebecca Allen, Lisa Bade, Christy Darlene, Samuel Darlene, Jennifer Delante, Melissa Kelly, Ken Crable, Lene Nossiger. Let us continue in prayer with Pastor Megan. Remembering that the Hebrew word for breath is the same as spirit. I invite you to breathe with me and to invite the Holy Spirit's presence with you and with all of us. I invite you to breathe in. And take another breath in and let it out with a sigh. <sighs> we confess the harm that we have caused and what we have done and in what we have left undone. We lament the harm that lingers in those whom we love and in ourselves. We are all in some sense walking bundles of wounds and some of those wounds we each bear are bigger and some are smaller, some are older, some are newer, some are searing and some just hang with us as a dull ache for a long time each of them unique. We gather each week, um, though today it seems especially 
obvious or poignant, but we gather each week together as an imperfect community of wounded souls. And we come to God in prayer, seeking those things that we can't make happen on our own power. We seek healing, we seek mercy, we seek transformation of all that is unwell. And so let us now join with Hagar, the first person in the Bible to name God. You are Elroy, Hagar declared. Elroy, the God who sees me. Let us pray together. Elroy, you are the God who sees each one of us, broken and beloved. You are the God who sees us as a body, also broken and beloved. You are a God who is always looking to the margins to notice who there might most need your accompaniment. Elroy, God who sees us, be present with us now. Come to us with your healing, with your mercy, with your transformation, and with your compassion. Throughout our prayer, I will repeat, God in your mercy, and I invite you to join me with, hear our prayer. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Oh God, who sees us, Jesus, who shows us the way, spirit who breathes in us, hear now the prayers of this community of souls who seek you. We pray for healing for those most harmed by the breach of our covenant. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for release for those who have chosen to no longer covenant with us. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the members of our spiritual leadership team who have sought the path of accountability, repentance, and healing. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who lost beloveds and homes and basic services and a sense of well-being due to Hurricane Laura's destruction this week, and for those who are even now losing beloveds and homes and a sense of well-being due to the destruction of wildfires, especially in California, but in other places across our country, we pray, God in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for Jacob Blake and his family and recall the poignant reminder from his sister that this is not the first experience of racial violence in her family because all black people killed in this country are her family. From Emmett Till to Sandra Bland and too many others to name. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the families and friends of the two vibrant human beings shot and killed by Kyle Rittenhouse on the streets of Kenosha this week, Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum. May they rest in peace and in power. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our national politics, for unprecedented divisiveness, and for anxieties about the upcoming presidential election. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
for those who will be gathering this fall at Seattle Mennonite to learn about anabaptism and to discern a possible invitation to receiving adult baptism, we hold them in your care. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all of our kids and parents, for caregivers and teachers who have started or are soon starting school in the most challenging and devastating sort of circumstances. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For Emily and Chase, and this final month of anticipating the birth of their baby, affectionately known as Thumper, we hold them in your care as well, O oh God. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Turning now to the prayers in our chat box. We pray with Sylvia for her friend Brenda who has ovarian cancer. God in your mercy, hear our prayer. And with Annalena, we pray for her sister and family as Magnus was not able to participate in the drug trial as his platelets were too low as they go forward in seeking treatment for him. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With Doug and John, we pray for at least three families at First Mennonite Church San Francisco who are still under mandatory evacuation due to fire. Oh, and the one who lost all his belongings. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With Rebecca, for the many, many people in this city and beyond touched by the life of Rawa Habti, a life ended far too soon. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With Cal, we pray for his mom and Nebraska family as they all mourn the August 18th death of his father after a quick three-week battle with cancer. Oh. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With Elizabeth, we pray for Dale Ellingson. Seven years ago, he died and left her at SMC and in the hands of God. May Dale rest in peace. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With Larry, we pray for Lee Widener, who is recovering from COVID-19 in Texas during the floods. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And I invite you to pray with me as I lift up one of my Spirit Lake sisters and dear friends, Michelle, whose adult son suddenly and tragically died on Friday. She and the family who are grieving his tragic death. And my dad, whose first cousin died of COVID this week, um, and the family that are mourning his death. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Elroy, you are the God who sees each one of us, broken and beloved. You are the God who sees us as a body, also broken and beloved. You are a God who is always looking to the margins to notice who there might most need your accompaniment. Elroy, be present with us now and in the weeks to come. Come to us with healing, with mercy, with transformation, and with compassion. God, we are yours. I invite you to take in another breath together and let it out with a sigh. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
And all God's people together said, Amen. We are grateful for all the gifts that each of you give to the congregation, your gifts of money, your gifts of time and talents and energies and the heart that you bring to so much of what you do in this community. We are thankful for all of that. And in this time of gathering virtually, we are grateful for the means to collect our offerings, our money offerings digitally. And today, we especially ask a blessing on um, all of our leadership groups, the councils and spiritual leadership team, and Lee Murray as our administrator, as together we work on and discern a supplemental budget to bring to the congregation for discernment this November, and ask for your prayers for that ongoing labor and discernment. Let's close with a song of the oppressed. The Magnificat, sung by another brave soul, Mary. My soul cries out. My soul cries out with a joyful shout that the God of my heart is great. And my spirit sings of the wondrous things that you bring to the ones who wait. You fixed your sight on the servant's plight, and my weakness you did not spurn. So from east to west, shall my name be blessed, for the world is about to turn. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Though I am small, my God, my all, you work great things in me. Your mercy will last from the depths of the past to the end of the age to be. Your very name puts the proud to shame, and to those who would for you yearn. You will show your might, put the at the flight, and the world is about to turn. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. From the halls of power to the fortress tower, not a stone will be left on stone. Let the king beware, for the justice tears every tyrant from his throne. The hungry poor shall weep no more, for the food they can never earn. There are tables spread, every mouth be fed, for the world is about to turn. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Though the nations rage, from age to age, we remember who holds us fast. God's mercy must deliver us from the conqueror's crushing grasp. The saving word that our forebears heard is the promise that holds us bound. Till the spear and rod can be crushed by God, we're turning the world around. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Friends, as you go into the rest of your day and your week, May you know that the God of Hagar goes with you. Hagar named God Elroy, the God who sees me. So may you go knowing that God sees you in all your brokenness, your belovedness, 
and your blessedness that God accompanies you on the path as you seek to be one who accompanies others. Amen. <laughs>